This morning, we began a new series, and uh, this new series is uh, entitled to the, well, let's see what the new series title is, is to, uh, to the cross and beyond. And what we're going to be doing is looking at the last week of the life of Christ. And in the last week of the life of Christ, it covers almost a third of the New Testament. So that is a huge piece of Scripture that, uh, this, that God apparently wants, wanted a lot of great information packed together on, uh, to the cross and beyond. And uh, there's a couple things I wanted to share with you this morning on, on this. Is, is, uh, I'm going to, because we had such a packed service here this morning for time purposes, so I'm not going to have a lot of slides, but they're going to be pretty simple. But uh, one thing I'm going to challenge you to do this morning is if on my slide references. In fact, the, the first one there, the title of the message, there's uh, the next slide there. Next slide. Okay, two tables. All right. So I titled the message, Two Tables. And my, and my scripture references this morning that was assigned to me was Matthew 26, 6 through 35, and Luke 22, 1, 3, 1 through 38. Now, that's a huge piece of text, so we're going to have to kind of carve that down just a little bit. The two scripture references below are the parallel texts in the, New Te in the gospel on the same account, covering it from a little different perspective. And uh, so, but in your, uh, underneath your chairs, uh, there are, we've got some brand new chair Bibles, pew Bibles, if that makes you feel better. It's brand new Bibles underneath there. And, and I, I just, I mean, I like one when the scripture is put up on the, on the slides. That's great. But what I tend to do is I just sit and I just look at the scriptures. And because I'm so well trained since childhood, since 1950, the first television I saw was 1954 or something like that. There was only one in our community. But, but, but we've been so well trained to looking at a visual image. But, but take out a Bible, open up the Bible, uh, and you can follow along your Bible. And I just highly recommend that you get your own Bible. And here's a revolutionary thing that hasn't happened for maybe two generations. Bring it to church with you. It's amazing. Bring it to church with you, open it up, and you get so, because there's a lot of passages in the Bible, I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I can open my Bible and say it's on this side of the page, it's right about there, and I can find it almost every time. But get a hold of that. There's a place on the back to write some scripture notes down. You can write the scriptures down, take it home, get your Bible out, go through the Bible. There is just power in the Word of God and looking at the Word of God. So, so do this. So we're going to be going through this last, uh, final week of the life of Christ. The last week of the life of Christ, it's loaded, it's full, it's got a lot of stuff. And so John's going to take a shot at it. I'm taking a shot at it this morning. Sean's going to take a shot at it. Rob's going to take a shot at it. We're going to be going through that. But here's the thing. We're not going to cover it all, but we're going to cover a lot. And this morning, we're going to cover a huge piece of territory in the scripture there, Matthew 26 through Luke 22. That's going to that's be a, a big section there as we go through this this morning. And... And uh, so when we got that, got your Bibles open there, in fact, as we're, we're going to cover some of the highlights, things of the, uh, um, this morning, we're going to cover the anointing of Jesus in Bethany, the Last Supper, and then someone else is going to pick up the, the, the Gethsemane, and then someone else is going to pick up the trials and some crucifixion and, and go on through it there. So let's begin here this morning, and if you have your Bibles, 
And if you don't have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew, the 26th chapter, and, uh, and take a look at this with me. And, uh, uh, and, and you, you can reach underneath the seat there and pull one out. You can open it up, turn to Matthew 26. They're new uh, English standard Bibles. They're really a good quality, well-bound uh, uh, pew Bible. Take a look at it there. You'll be very impressed, I hope. So Matthew 26 and, we're, and I'm going to start with verse 6, Matthew 26. And uh, so just follow along. It's just a short period of piece of Scripture here. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to enhance this as I tell you the story. It'll help us on time. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of the man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume when she poured it on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it and prepared me for my burial. I tell you the truth. Whenever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in my memory. Now, that is, that is a fairly complete account of the anointing of, Je- of, of Jesus in Bethany by uh, this woman. The, Mark picks this very same account up in Mark 14, adds a few other things to it, doesn't mention the woman at all, the name of the woman. But when you get to John... The 12th chapter of John is anointing of Bethany, and John says, it is Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and the brother of Lazarus. And in fact, John even underscores her name in the 11th chapter before he wrote the 12th chapter who it was. So John didn't have a problem of pointing out this was Mary of Bethany, not to be mistaken with any other anointing. So this was, was the Mary. So what I'm going to do with you this morning is... I'm going to go, there's, there's, and the common denominator between uh, Matthew, the first six chapters of Matthew, and the rest of the chapter of Matthew there uh, is, the last, is the Last Supper scene. And there's two common denominators are there, is there's two tables. There's two tables. There is the table at, at, at uh, Simon the leper's house. And, and I've got a bunch of dishes and, and stuff stacked up here on the table because it was a big spread. Let me tell you. And then the other table was also a big spread, but there were certain other things that were going on differently. Now, I need to point out to this to you. You've got to use not only your Bible, but you've got to use a little imagination here. The distance between this table and this table is a couple of miles, actually, from Bethany to Jerusalem. However, there's about one, two, three, four, five days between the tables. Matthew didn't tell you that there. Okay, but the rest of the Gospels, when you bring them together, tell you that as you, as you take them apart and, and, and look at them as you unpack them. So we've got a little bit of space. We've got, after this table, we've got the triumphal entry on Sunday. This was uh, on a Sabbath. The triumphal entry on, on, on Sunday, and then you've got Monday uh, in, in Jerusalem. You've got Tuesday cleansing uh, the, t- the temple. 
You've got speaking all day long. So we've got all these things here. The Last Supper, the Gethsemane, the trials, the crucifixion on this side of the other table. So there's kind of two sets there. Now here's kind of my, my wrap-up here. I'm hoping that you'll be able to walk out of here this morning from these scriptures that we're going to share together to be able to, to learn how to love, to live life to its fullest, and have God, have God delight in you. Have God delight in you. I think these, this passage of scripture should do that. Now, any one of us, all of us, we, we, we need to learn to love a little bit more. I mean, what, what, how many would say you need to love a little bit more? Four or five. Okay, that's good. All right. How many would like to delight and have more joy in living life? A few more. Okay. And the last one, how many would like to delight God? All right. That, that's you know, to, that's the, the full call, the nature of, 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 of Scripture is to bring, to, to bring glory to God. And, and that, that's, that's our purpose for breathing air and to, to live life. Okay, so we're going to take a look at this. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to first go over here to Bethany around the table at Lazarus, uh, at, uh, at Simon the leper's house. Okay, so we're going to go there first, and I'm going to do just a character study of some of the characters that emerge at this meal. Now, listen, they aren't the only people at this meal, but, be, but, but I want to focus on those, and then I want to slip over here because some of the very same characters end up at this meal here. And then we'll close there together with the communion today. And then we'll close with a song. Because if you've got your Bibles and you read that one, on those closes in Matthew 38, it says, then they left and went to Gethsemane. They sang a hymn and left and go to Gethsemane. So just, man, that's right. My script is right there. Okay. All right, so we're going to take a look first at our script here. And the first one we're going to look at is we're going to look at the X-Men. All right, two X-Men that were at this table. Now, you have to understand, if you look at John 11, John 11, the last 55, 56, 57, about 60 verses there, the last chapter of that chapter says, when, now, what happened the last time that Jesus was at Bethany? The resurrection of Lazarus. I don't know if you know that, but getting back from the dead is a big deal. You cry a lot in this room about people being dead, but coming back from the dead, I don't know what you'd do. But the last time Jesus was here in Bethany, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And guess what? A lot of people got talking about that. It made big-time media. And there was a lot of conversation, and even Jerusalem, they were saying, that's not good, because it threatened their position. Because if you get somebody, they can raise somebody from the dead, that threatens you. It should disturb you. It should awaken you. So he's in back, so he returns now back to, Laz back to Bethany. Now, he's been sort of lying low in Perea, on the, on the other side of the Jordan River, the eastern side of the Jordan River. And then at the right time, the chatter in Bethany is, it's Passover's coming, and the chatter is, is he coming back? No, he wouldn't. Yes, he would. No, he wouldn't. Yes, he would. And this is, the, this is going all the way up, that was two miles to Jerusalem, and it was a buzz. And then all of a sudden, 
Jesus shows up. And the reason that it was starting to build is because down the valley, in the River Jordan, he stopped to, to a guy that was blind, called Bartimaeus and healed him. And then there was a really strange, weird guy in a tree named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, remember, you know that story, comes down and says, today I'll spend with you. So he spent the day, the night there at Zacchaeus' house, and he travels Friday, and he gets to Bethany before Jewish time, 6 o'clock, beginning Sabbath. Or Friday, Friday night. Gets, he tries Friday, gets there right before Jewish time, Saturday at 6. And, and so he's there. And it's really challenging here to sort through these time sequences. So he gets there. So he celebrates at, no doubt, probably it was at Lazarus' home. But the community so knows him so well that they decided to really put a spread out one Sabbath was over at Saturday at 6. So the whole community could come together and have a big meal just on the eve of the beginning of Passover, the Feast of Bread, Unleavened Bread. And that happens at none other than Simon the leper, our first character at the table, Simon the leper. Isn't it amazing? 2,000 plus years, we're still calling him a leper. But that's how it got connected. But now, we know from Scripture that he wasn't a leper then. So all we are assumption is someplace in between. Jesus, some way, somehow, he was cleansed from leprosy. Now, there is biblical leprosy, and I know we can get in all these big discussions today. Their biblical leprosy is really recorded differently than the leprosy that we're acquainted with today, the bacterial nerve-damaging leprosy, which is still hideous. And there are other scholars who argue that it's one and the same. But regardless, it was a hideous thing. And if you had leprosy, as close as you get to somebody would be six feet. And you had to wear a face covering. And usually, you had to live alone, all by yourself. Isolation, social isolation. But someplace there, Jesus and Simon cross paths. Here's how to live with joy. Whatever your past, whatever your scars, they're no more when you cross paths with Jesus. Amen. They're not there. And I'm going to challenge you, don't live in the shadow of your past and hide there. Step up and live life. And apparently Simon must have been a pretty influential person. And he must have had a big place. And when your heart changes, 
And when you've been cleansed from the inside out, it flows with giving. Simon the giver, there's, when you think of Simon the leper, you can think this. It's Simon the leper will always be remembered with Jesus. Good place to be remembered. So there's two X-Men here. The other X-Men is Lazarus. I'll be talking about him as we close up here this morning. But Lazarus, the X-Men, he was an ex-dead man. This is where they got the Marvel idea for the X-Men. How many of you know the Marvel series, the X-People, X-Men? You can raise your hand. It's not a terrible sin. Isn't it interesting, though? I've got to get off this. Isn't it interesting how Hollywood will go to the supernatural when it wants to show a hero? Isn't it interesting? Now, God has been doing supernatural with heroes for a long time. Because I believe... In the core of every person's heart is a desire for the supernatural. One more, one power, one victory over the world and there's woes of this life. Okay, enough of that. The next person at the table is Martha. We know Martha. You met Martha in Luke 10, almost nine months before in Bethany, but not necessarily in Simon's house, but in Lazarus' house. And that's when Jesus just dropped in. Jesus is so bad at just dropping in without telling anybody anything. Has he ever dropped in on you and didn't tell you? You didn't like it either, did you? I don't like it when he starts talking to me. I usually got something more important to do. And so he wants a meal, and Martha starts cooking. And you know the scene there. Mary comes in and sits down and starts watching and listening. And Martha fuses and goes in and says, Master, don't you care? <laughs> well, are you a dancing? Come on, you be a smart rabbi. and Get my sister back in the kitchen mashing potatoes. And then Jesus says, soft rebuke, Martha, Martha, for many things. But Chow has a short shelf life, and the words of life are forever. Now, if your name's Martha, you've heard that a lot. I want to emphasize to you, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus said to uh, his fussing, pouty, Big, strong men, disciples. He said this. And for all you Marthas, this is the text for you. He said to them, for who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is, is it, is it not the one at the table? Question mark. But I am among you as one who serves. He didn't get this straight. He's not putting down Martha because she serves. He just wants people that serve to always stay connected to him. One of the biggest 
ways that you can get turned off at church. I can just make it simple for you, package it up so you can just suck on this all day and be mean as you want to be. But the way you want to get really crotchety is just start serving and step away from Jesus. And I'll tell you what, you won't like anybody. There will be no joy in you, brother. You'll be drained dry. And you'll just crack and hurt every time you make a move. I do that when I bend over. They, oh my goodness, it's too far down there. I'm just going to gripe about it. But if you don't have Jesus in you, you're not going to do it. But I'm going to tell you, as sure as the world is, we need people in this church like Simon that may have a checkered past or you know someone has a black spot. I want to tell you, Jesus takes that away and there's a place for you to serve here and you just step up and do it. And if you have the gift of helps, if you have the gift of serving, then learn to serve but stay close to Jesus. Because you well know when you're waiting tables, it's tough work. And I'll tell you something else big about Martha. Martha got rebuked, and she didn't go to another church. Just saying. Martha got rebuked by God himself. And she said, I can learn. I can learn. I can, I can change. I can take course correction. Did you know that church was designed to course correct your life? Did you know that? Can you believe that? I've got the impression through the years that I don't think too many people think that. We have have a problem with that. But but Martha was able to do that. Then there's Mary. What can you say about Mary? She, she, She just had a gift wrap. That was attentive. She must have been some, maybe, maybe some academic, a, a gifted rap there. And she just really focused on the word. She really discussed it. But there was something else. It wasn't just academics with Mary. Mary had the uncanny ability to hear an academic connected to the Old Testament, connected to Christ, connected to eternity. She was able to assemble information together in, in unbelievable ways. She was able to do that. Then, then the scene walks in. These guys are all chowed down there in this big spread and Simon the leper's house. And you could just, it was just buzzing. They didn't have any music on. The reason why? Because they were so happy. They were so happy to be together. They were so happy to understand that life could be overcome. And they have the X-Men. Can you imagine? You couldn't have a steakhouse dinner, a steakhouse dinner in the White House. Who's going to be coming to the state house dinner? Lazarus. <laughs> I want to talk to him. So you can imagine that's the excitement going on there at that dinner. And, and Mary walks into this room. And no doubt there was probably pretty heavy male testosterone flowing through that room. John, Matt, Matthew, and Mark just says, a woman <laughs> walked into the room. Hollywood, he couldn't script it any better than that. Now, Mark says, and she came to Jesus with an alabaster court jar like 
of, of nard coming from highlands of China and India. Came through, can you imagine? She didn't order that on Amazon. But Mark says, now Matthew says, she had poured it on his head. Mark said, she poured it on his head. John said, she poured it on his head and his feet. But Mark also says, she smashed the jar open. You know, it just says in English, broke it. But I had looked up that word, it means smashed to the smithereens. No wonder Martha didn't want her in the kitchen. She smashed the jar. And that's probably why only the feet. <laughs> and that's probably why she got embarrassed and, and started wiping with her hair. And Jesus says, remember I told you when you raised your hand, Please God, delight God, Jesus said. Now, of course, there was a voice in the crowd, which is, was, was Judas Iscariot. This is the only place we have a record of him speaking. And he says, oh, I can't believe it. It's worth 300 bucks. So it's a, it's a year's wages. We could have we, we given it to the poor. Isn't it ironic that a guy like Judas knows the price of everything and the value of nothing? I mean, and then Mark picks it up, and John, that's the last word we hear mouth by Judas. But it says, the rest of them picked it up. Ever caught yourself running with the herd? Ever caught yourself thinking with the group? Group thinking? Ever get caught up in a mob thinking? Oh, let's tell the truth. It's easy for us to do. Jesus said, do not bother this woman. And where they're bothered is kapas. Do not intimidate and bully this woman. And the word kapas also means in an attempt to make someone be afraid and fearful. I won't eat with those guys anymore. Trying to make Mary second guess. You fool. And Jesus said, picture this now. This is God himself in the flesh sitting there in his Simon's living room. And Jesus says to the boys that are trying to rough her over and break, break her down, this is beautiful. 
and I love it. I mean, how many times in your life has God stood up and said, great God, great job, Kyler. Great, great job, Carly. Quiet, reflective, deep thinking, bold, courageous, daring, Mary. And then there is, of course, our dear friend Judas. Now, Matthew has the way Matthew puts this and several others. After this scene, he gets up and goes into Jerusalem and makes a deal with the chief priests to betray Jesus. And the chief priest said, we're delighted in you, Judas. You're such a great guy. Now, he had to sit there and get told, be quiet. By God, repent of your ways. But he didn't. The other 12 were in on this, the other 11. Peter did. He repented many times because he put his foot in and served it in his mouth. It's not a problem that Judas was dense and stupid here, but it was John says because he knew that he was pilfering in the, in the money and Judas already had figured out, man, I could have got a big slice of that pie. His heart was leaning into corruption and they got up and left and says, man, if you're going to put me down in front of other men and insult my maleness and my macho-ness in front of us and you're not going to pull the trigger because you're not acting like a normal power broker, Jesus, that you could blow everybody away. I've seen your power. I've seen your miracles. I've walked with you. You showed me. You demonstrated. But you won't do it at the time that I want it. And if you're going to get cozy and try to defend a woman in this world, I'm through with you. You're too weak for me. You know what the problem of Judas? For me, he's not bad enough. He's just he's just scheming there. You ever know anybody that schemes? Hmm. Huh? Ever know anybody that schemed and gotten gotten a big knot in life? Huh? I'd like to say I relate more to the X-Men. I'd like to say I can see more Mary in me. I'd like to see more Martha. Just saying. And of course, the last chapter ends there, the crowd. The crowd of Jews. Folks, 
You can attract a lot of attention in churches today. Big crowds and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you, this crowd, you know what, these kind of crowds, they're just indifferent. They just want to see some show. Something to tease them up. Make them feel good. But now I want to go to table two. Table two. Five days later, Thursday comes. Jesus tells him to go in Jerusalem. James and Paul are around. John, I'll get it right in there. Peter and John. Because it's a clandestine. Find the right place. Because if you read the Bible there, that piece there with Judas, the deal with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, rather, and the, and the chief priest was set it up so we can catch him at a time when there's no press around, where there's no media, and nobody has their cell phone out to record it. Jesus knew that, so he sent him in town. He says, go find a guy carrying a jar of water. Usually only women carry jars of water. I don't know what about that guy, but he got the right place. Set it up, probably John Mark's place. We don't know. But it was an upper room. Jesus says, it's furnished to them. Because you can always guy, well, I don't know. I don't know how to get there. It's furnished, boys. Just go do it. So he gets there, and the 12 come in. Now, while they're there, they sat down. There's the same 12 guys that were over here carping about Mary. And Jesus then starts at, at, at 6 that evening, the Passover meal. You can read it there in Matthew or Luke 22. And also in Matthew, there's a piece of, there's a little bit, Got to concentrate a little bit. Got to turn the TV off. But it goes through the different cups of the Passover. Now, Judas was there through at least the fourth cup. Pretty much my summation reading is when he did the last cup. Now, you do know that these tables are not the scale. All right. All right. And probably the table would have been, if it been make more sense, flipped this way, and Peter would have been on the table, would have been wider, would have been reclining on his elbow like this. It doesn't look like Michelangelo. Like this. And Jesus at the chief seat, two in, from, one in from the end, chief seat. John would have been reclining like this. And Judas is reclining like this. And that's why when you leave the conversation there, when Jesus talks about the one who's betrayed me, who dips in the, sup, in the gravy with me, the bowl of gravy is going around, servants are coming from this end. And then when Judas says, is it I? He's right there. 
so he can just lean this way. It's an eye. And apparently, Peter caught something across the table. And he looks at John. What did he say? <laughs> and John goes, I don't know. And then Jesus said, Jesus said to Judas, go now, quickly, and do what you must do. And Judas knew. Jesus knew the gig was up between him. However, this was after he washed his feet. Because they were fussing about who's the greatest in the kingdom when they walked in the door. So he gets up and leaves. And then Jesus begins the Lord's Supper. He's talking to the 12, now the 11. And he also is talking to all of you. So if you take your cup, I know it doesn't look as classy as this one. But I want it to be this way. But if, and if you take your cup, I'm sure they could take it a lot easier than I'm taking it. And your bread. Get the top ready there. These guys around this table could not see what Mary saw five days before. Because Jesus says, be quiet, quit bugging her. She's on target. This woman is anointing me for my burial. And Judas is listening to this because he's there in that house. And then Jesus is talking about his death on the cross coming up. And he talks about it like a monarch. He said, what Mary did, what Mary did will be remembered forever when the gospel is preached. Just like you and I remember this morning. Because one person had enough searching of heart and found it in the word of God in the lips of Jesus and connected the dots. And these dudes here at this table going, okay. Now, it's not putting them down. Because these men, let me get that last slide there. were transformed disciples after the resurrection. And they were disciples that became all X-Men. Any person in this room has come to Christ 
is born new from above. And you've been raised, and your grave clothes have been taken off, and you can walk in newness of life. You're resurrected people. Rejoice in it. And as we take this bread, remembering Christ on the cross, and take this juice, remembering his life's blood. The disciples rose and they sang a hymn and they went out. Now you go out because you're X-Men. They went out wondering how to connect the dots yet. But Sunday's coming. And when Jesus said it throughout all the world, when this is going to be in all ages. And he also says something there that's very un-Jewish. He says, in all the world, all the world, all nationalities, all walks of life, all people, male, female, they will have this hope of resurrecting. Judas missed the understanding the resurrection. That's yours. It's ours. And you're raised now to do something different. These disciples up here on this slide, they, the last slide, one more time. They served. Remember, he said, do, do you want to do you want to want to live life to the fullest? Learn to serve. Learn to, learn to serve like Martha. With connecting to Jesus. Invest in the life of others. I, I didn't want to use a well-oiled biblical word on here. Be a disciple. Disciple, train, teach, invest. That brings joy to God. He said to Mary, to the guys, she did what she could. What are you doing? Do what you can with your giftedness and serve the Lord. Rob. Let's stand together.